everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today is one of my favorite guests, um, fourth time, Ian? Fifth? I believe so, yes. Yes, I fourth believe. time, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, all the way from the UK, Ian Bursby is joining us, and uh, welcome back to the show. Nice to see you, Jesse. Nice to talk to you again, and uh, great to be back. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, yeah, we should have a lot of fun. So, uh, but, you know, and as is my habit during this pandemic, uh, how you been doing with everything? Yeah, things are okay. You know, we, we went back into a national lockdown this week. Yeah. Uh, supposedly for one month, but, you know, we, we will see. And, uh, you know, a lot of talk about what's going to be happening coming up to the holiday season and, uh, yeah. you know, what that's going to impact on people's plans and, and so on. But, uh, at the moment, yeah, we are in this, uh, not as strict as last time. For, for the two of us, it doesn't make so much difference because we work at home anyway. So, uh, you know, um, work is steady still. It's, it's okay. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that and grateful that we've, you know, got our house and garden that we can still weather allowing enjoy to get a bit of fresh air, stretch our legs and so on. And, and so, you know, you really, I think in these times, it's a case of being grateful for the, the things you've got and thinking, well, you know, the situation is what it is, but it could be a heck of a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. I know that a lot of your work is doing, um, you know, translation, uh, yeah. though you're, I assume you still haven't gotten to do many tours. So. No, absolutely not. Not this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's. I know that you miss that, not only the income, but just I know that's something you enjoy doing, that that you bring a lot of you you have a lot of joy getting to share these stories and talk to different people about this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I enjoy my translation, but it's it's a very isolation, isolated job. You sit at a computer, you're writing, you know, I guess it's it's like a a writer in, in many other ways, you know. Sure. It is quite a lonely thing, um, and so the tours give me that uh, that contact and that a chance to be with people and to share things with people. Yeah, and so that's that's a big miss. But I want to be able to do it again. But I want to be able to do it again when it's safe. Yes. Uh, when nobody has to come on those tours, me or the guests concerned that it's going to be a danger to them or anything like that, and because there's no joy in that when all said and done. Yeah, uh, we're recording this on Sunday, November 8th, so it's the day after the all the newspapers and networks, uh, you know, projected that Joe Biden was going to win the presidency here in the U.S., and one of the things that um, concerned me is there was a lot of spontaneity, a lot of in-the-street joy and, and, you know, kind of celebrations um, in, in a lot of big cities and it was all peaceful. Uh, but, and it, it appeared from TV, most of them were wearing masks. There, not a lot of social distancing, but everyone was in masks. Uh, like you would see them, you know, drink, take a drink and immediately put their mask on. And like in all the newspaper reporters 
didn't take their mask off. Everyone they talked to didn't take their mask off. So I think people were trying to be as safe as they could. But because of, I think, exactly what you were talking about, like this, this you miss that personal interaction. And because um, the election had been such a fraught, tough, you know, really year and a half, but, you know, and especially um, because of the voting and it took so long to tally the votes for legitimate reasons. I want to make sure everyone can believe that. I think there was just an outpouring of joy yesterday. Um, So that was nice to see. I think so. And I I thought the same thing. I when I was obviously I was being pretty much glued to the coverage here from the UK for the last few days of of your election over there. And yeah, I did. I I did kind of I I noticed very distinctly that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they did a a double fist bump when they when they were on stage together. There was no hugging. There was no real close contact. And uh, I I thought that was a really telling thing because they must just have wanted to throw their arms around each other and, uh, you know, because just as a relief. But, uh, yeah, I think pretty much people were were pretty good, all things considered. And as a Springsteen fan, him walking up to We Take Care of Our Own was a nice little bonus. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I I caught up on the footage from that uh, this morning when I was having breakfast. Yeah. And you kind of the – First of all, you just hear kind of a bit of noise and yes. cheering. And then as that died down a little bit, I thought, wait a minute, I know this song. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. So, uh, yes, uh, very nice. And so um, we are uh, – my wife and I spent all day yesterday in front of the TV. And so um, so it was – I was looking forward to talking to you today as a break. Uh, so, um, well, I am glad you and your lovely bride are doing well. So uh, what I've got Ian on is to do a segment of what we've been called Songs of Your Life. And in case you've not seen, heard one of these episodes before, I'll give you a little background. So the sports station I listen to here in Dallas, um, Sports Radio 1310 The Ticket or 96.7 FM The Ticket, would every week the morning show would do biggest bands coming to town and they would discuss all the tours coming into Dallas and it would give them a chance to talk about the music and then they would vote on which one was the biggest band. Um, and it was just, you know, a fun way to kill a segment and also discuss, you know, different musical taste. Well, you know, starting in March, tours stopped. And, you know, they couldn't do that segment anymore. So they came up with Bands of Your Life, which is 11 questions that you could answer about different musicians or bands in your life. But the premise was you couldn't use a band more than once. So, example, band that made you fall in love with music and band you must see live, you could not use Bruce Springsteen for either one. I mean, for one or the other. And uh, that was interesting. And my buddies over at How Many, the one of the podcasts I did, we all did a round of answering those questions. But Chris Jackson said, you know, you should make this more for set listing Bruce. You should do this more Bruce-wise. What, what are you going to do, Dad? And so I came up with it, the same 11 questions. But the premise is you can only pick one Bruce Springsteen song to answer each question. 
So um, we've had a few people on, and Ian was nice enough to email me saying, hey, are you still wanting guests to do this? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, okay, I think I have my songs ready. So uh, you want to give us a little bit, not give the answers yet, but talk about your premise or your, your process of picking the songs. Did you immediately know the answers to some, or did you have to – think about this a little bit. I did have to think about it. There were one or two categories where a particular song leapt straight into my mind as kind of, this is the one I've just got to have in that category. But then you get the problem of which category do you put your absolute top song in? Do you put it in the listen to over and over, the thing that you love to see live, the song that you love, you know, the, then you get into all of that. And what I really did. Each time I listened to one of these episodes, I kind of made a couple of notes as from what was said, maybe somebody would mention a song with, or you would mention a song that would suddenly come into my consciousness again for a particular topic. So I gradually narrowed it down. I, I think I made my last change this morning. Okay, uh, something like this. that, yes. I had one category that even until then I still had two songs that were we're really in the running, but uh, yeah, so I, I got to it a little bit circling round it okay. until I gradually honed in on the final choices. Um, but it's been an enjoyable thing to do, and but a difficult thing to do. <laughs> I understand. Okay, well, we're going to get the two negative questions out of the way first. Song okay. you hate, and okay, I well, have this is. And it may be a song you just don't understand as much, right? You you know, some people say, oh, I don't want to hate anything that Bruce does. But um, so either one of those. No, I will come straight out and say that I hate it. I did check with you first whether I could pick a cover version. Yes, you did. I, I, I did thought that was nice. Songs um, as a standby just in case. But um, the song I've chosen is Shout. Okay. Uh, Shout, as most p people will probably know, the last couple of tours, certainly that I've seen Bruce on, uh, he's used Shout quite a lot as the final or second to last song of the encore. And yes, it's kind of intended to be a celebration, everybody leaping around. The only trouble is, I hate Shout. I have always hated Shout. I I don't like Lulu, and I didn't like the song when it was on the radio when I was a kid. It was re-released in the UK and in the charts again when I was in my teens, and I still hated it. And so um, to hear Bruce playing it was, yeah, of course, I prefer the e Street Band's version to Lulu's version. <laughs> but you go to a Bruce show, and it's fantastic. You have three hours plus of fantastic music. And I just, for me, it's that little bit of a shame that the the last thing you hear before they send you off back into the world after the show is a song that I hate. And so that's why I really wanted to pick it. It doesn't spoil the show. It doesn't tarnish the show. But I just wish that a song I liked a little more would be the, the last notes of music that I hear. <laughs> what I love this answer. Um, I think I've shared this before. In fact, you know, after Chris's first show, um, we were driving home from Oklahoma City and we recorded our thoughts, you know, in the car. And he said, what's the deal with Shout? Is it a junior high dance? I mean, you know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. uh, I do wish that um, and I think 
um, our good friend, our mutual friend Terry Smith and I talked about that, you know, if we had our way, we would rotate him doing different, you know, if he wants to end a song with a cover, a rock and roll classic, I would, I wish he would, you know, kind of throw it out, right? Do some different versions. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I totally understand with you. Um, it that's that's excellent way to start. All right, song that you think is overrated. Okay, this is my controversial one uh, because I've chosen Tenth uh, Avenue Freeze Out for this category. Okay, so, um, okay, explain. Yeah. Now I do want to put a caveat on that. Uh, obviously, I I get the symbolism that this song has taken on in recent years, particularly in terms of being used in in terms of a memorial about the band's links with one another, particularly since the loss of Danny and Clarence. So I don't want to take away from that at all. That I don't have any problem with that. What I'm thinking about here is is purely just as a song, um, especially the version of it that was on Born to Run originally, not really the live version. Um, and the reason I say it's overrated, I think a lot of people do love the song. I, I like the song. But for me, when I first heard Born to Run when I was a teenager, it was the one song that didn't really seem to fit in terms of the theme and the, the kinds of emotions that I got from those songs. So so that was why. So it never really established itself as a, as a particularly top song for me. And that's why um, I've chosen it for this category, really. So I don't think it, that's necessary controversy at all. Of course, I'm the guy who picked Junkerland. So, you know, I know that <laughs> I, you know, um, because you are giving the caveat that you understand the live version is a different than the studio version, you also understand how, as it has taken on a new meaning um, with them showing the montage of Clarence and Danny's, you know, uh, pictures and stuff. So, you know, you get that. But um, good, good. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. All right. Let's flip it. Song that you think is underappreciated. This was a very difficult one. Um, I have chosen as my final choice, Tunnel of Love. Um, actually, there were two or three songs from the Tunnel of Love album that I considered. But, but I did really think that, especially, say, Tougher Than The Rest, I think is really heavily appreciated by people and they wish they got to hear it more live. Yes, I agree. Um, Tunnel of Love, I think, is a, an excellent song. Um, I think it's got a great uh, theme to it. It's a very interesting metaphor that he's using for talking about relationships. I like the sound of the song. I love the acoustic guitar, the fast strumming, and I love Neil's solo that he that he put on there, which he actually wrote something about in the notes for his uh, career box okay. retrospective that he wrote about the guitar he played that song on. Um, and so... For me, it's a, it's a really underappreciated song, and it's a song that could also have come up in the uh, would love to see live category because I never have. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's why I went for it for this one. You know, I do think, and it is easy for us, you know, mega fans to um, talk about songs that we wish were in the rotation more, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I love hearing Badlands live, right? I'm not going to complain. But you go, is there, you know, another song that you wish he would have thrown in sometimes? And once again, he has so many great songs that it is it is hard to pick that one. So yeah, Tunnel Love, great song. Um, you know that I've said, in a, if I have to push, you know, Tunnel of Love is going to be in the discussion of my favorite album. So great, great Me choice. Too. All right, song that you love. So my song that I love, I've chosen No Surrender. Um, I This is a hard category again because there's a lot of boost songs that I love, needless to say. But I particularly like No Surrender because of the song itself. I think it's the version on the record is really good. It doesn't uh, have quite that same very cheesy 80s production that some of Born yes. in the USA has. I love that uh, sort of garage rock, that kind of guitar sound that it has. Um, of course, the classic line for any music lover, learning more from a three-minute record than we ever learned in school, is in that song. And the message of the song about friendship, about youth, about nostalgia, um, is something I love. And the other reason I love this song is because it's two songs in one, because there's the acoustic version of it that appears on the live collection 7585 is absolutely beautiful. I think that song is one of the most beautiful things that that I know in terms of a a reinvention of a song and just a a beautiful acoustic record. And uh, I think I know uh, we mentioned Terry before, but um, I know Terry has spoken in various podcasts he's done about his funeral playlist. Yes. And, uh, do you get to choose the songs for your own funeral? And that, for me, that acoustic version of No Surrender would be a big player in that discussion if I was uh, able to do that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I love No Surrender about, your, for all the reasons you mentioned are great, but also there is a um, – there is – of many of us who have struggled with medical issues, uh, with myself, it was cancer, with others, other medical conditions, the whole anthem of no retreat, no surrender, uh, has taken on another meaning, not just about friendship and that this idea of being strong and <clears throat> fighting um, against what is often an unfair um, battle. Um, so absolutely, I, it is a song um, that could have made my I love, and it definitely, it will be, it is on my, when you're talking favorite songs, um, it, it's on my list. So great, great choice. Mm-hmm. All right, song that you can listen to over and over again. <laughs> All of them is what many people said, the, yes. It's the only answer, but... Uh... Um, you know, uh, my choice for this category is Wrecking Ball, um, which it's a song I have quite a, a strong emotional connection to. Um, I love the actual song, the generally the sound of it and yeah. um, the way it progresses through. Um, I love it live and I love the record. Um, obviously, ostensibly, it's about the demolition of the giant stadium. Um and for me, whenever I listen to the song, I think about my hockey team's old 
historic arena where they used to play, which was demolished to build a new one. And so when I listen to Wrecking Ball, I um, think not about the giant stadium where he's talking about, but I'm thinking about that stadium. So it has that connection. I name checked the song in a blog post that I wrote uh, about the hockey team's arena, actually. Um, I slipped in a little uh, nod to the song in there. Um, but the other reason I can listen to it over and over is because you get a lot with it. So it's about a sports stadium being demolished, but it's not about that at all. It's about your your resilience, I guess, to tough times, the way you that you stand on your own two feet and you face challenges. I think very much what you were saying about no surrender in terms of medical problems and so on. I think Wrecking Ball has very much a similar kind of thing about it. Um, it's that idea of, come on, give me your best shot. Let's see what you've got. I'm not going to be knocked down by this. Um, for me, um, I know you know, Jesse, and one or two of our other friends will know, I've been um, going through a process of giving up alcohol this year, uh, four months sober now as of last week. And this is one of the first songs that I put on the playlist I made to uh, as part of that kind of process. So it has that for me as well. Um, I think Bruce's songwriting that shows up in this song is that the genius of Bruce's songwriting is that he goes from the big thing to the little thing or vice versa within the same song. And in this one, he goes from that. Yeah, it's about a sports stadium. It's about nostalgia. But then it goes into this is what it's about on a personal level. And I think he Bruce's best songs all, all do a little bit of that. Uh, I totally agree with you. A uh, couple things. One, right. Hard times come and hard times come, you know, just uh, but bring on that wrecking ball. The idea. Go ahead. You know, give us your best shot. Let's see what you got. It is just the idea of, you know, to mix our metaphors, right? Elton John's I'm Still Standing, right? Like, yeah. you know, fine. Bring on your wrecking ball. I'm still here. What? That's the best you've got? Come on, give it more. The other thing is, uh, so several years ago, um, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Jerry Jones, built a beautiful new uh, stadium. We we call it the Death Star. We call it Jerry World, but it is a beautiful facility. But Texas Stadium, which had been um, in Irving, Texas, which is just right outside Dallas, had been the home for the Cowboys for years, and it was the iconic uh, stadium that had a hole in the roof so God could watch his team play. Uh, you know, it was. It, and it, it truly had aged poorly. Uh, Chris and I had gone to games there, and um, I also think that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys administration, when they were trying to get the vote passed for a new stadium, quit investing in the old stadium to kind of like, hey, look at this shiny new yeah. tool we can get versus this piece of uh, garbage. But um, they broadcast live in – the implosion of Texas Stadium. Wow. And um, and I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I was like, play Wrecking Ball, play Wrecking Ball, play Wrecking Ball, play Wrecking Ball. I mean, I was just sc screaming at the TV 
to the television stations like this is the song you should be playing when you're doing this it doesn't matter it's about the giants you know um and of course they didn't and if i was a more creative person i would take that footage probably on the internet and put it to wrecking ball you know yeah. and send it out but yeah great choice absolutely great choice um all right next song that made me fall in love with bruce well this is the category i've chosen for born to run uh you know born to run was going to be in there and it's just which category um when we did the best fifth songs a little while ago um for your anniversary episode run um i did say that i would always pick born to run in any category it qualified for yes uh, the, the trouble in this one is it qualified for most of them yes it so, did um, yes this is the one i put it in um and i think it's probably it's not a, an overstatement to say that because i think as a early teenager i knew the born in the usa songs because they were hit singles I probably, I think I got a copy of the Born in the USA album on a on a cassette somewhere, um, but it was when the live version of Born in uh, Born to Run came out in '86, I think, um, that was a single, and that was just I knew the song vaguely, but that was just the moment that I thought, wow, this is something incredible, and that was what made me tune in to the concert from Stockholm on the Tunnel of Love tour that really i often say was my big moment for getting me into bruce but it was the fact that i'd already heard this live version of born to run that made me do that and we taped the concert and at the end of the concert there was just a little bit of space left on the tape and i taped onto it the version of born to run that, because that went with it so well excellent excellent choice i i don't think anyone can argue and absolutely um so song that changed your life yeah that's a, a tough one because again there's a lot of them in different ways but i i've gone for the rising in this category uh, and it's for quite a specific reason because it didn't change my life the first time i heard it uh, it didn't change my life probably the first hundred times i heard it but i've been a fan of Bruce since I was about 14, 15 years old in the 80s, but I'd never seen him play live. Uh, but on the 14th of October 2002, at the uh, Bercy Omnisports Arena in Paris, uh, that was where I went to my first Bruce and the East Street Band show, and the first song they played was The Rising. So it was the first song that Bruce, uh, Bruce that I ever saw him play live, and you know, that was when I went just from being, oh, no, I wasn't just a fan. I was quite a committed fan. I, I knew everything there was to know about Bruce. But then, you know, that's you have a whole other experience when you've seen Bruce live. I totally uh, agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And starting to go to shows that opened my eyes up to the fact that, wow, there's a whole load of other people out there who feel exactly the same way. And it, that's what gets you into this idea of a, a community that's led to some great friendships and some some great times over the years since so so that's why i say it changed my life because it was the the first song i saw live i i love that answer and you know one of the things that i love all this you know i've, I've now you're about the sixth or seventh person that's done this and and one of the reasons i like having this list and i don't feel it becomes redundant 
is everyone interprets the questions differently. And this is truly one of those, you know, because you could make the argument, well, song that made me fall in love with Bruce and song that changed my life, those are almost the same thing. But because of the choices people make, it usually is not the same thing. So very mm -hmm. well, and, and I do agree. Um, if I could take a side note, Ian, um, one of the unexpected blessings that I've had doing this podcast, right, is the amount of friends I have now made over the world, right, yeah. That and the connections we have, right? Like there are now people, because they've been on the podcast, have connected with each other and and, you know, and then Terry has done his own job with Music Talks, bringing us together in this this community, you know. Um, and so uh, I was talking yesterday as we we're sitting in the living room and um, I've, I've got my phone on me and Linda's like, so what are you seeing on Twitter? And I'm like, all my UK and <laughs> I said, mostly UK, but all my European friends just sending me messages about how happy they are for me, right, and for us as a nation. And um, as much as I love doing my Doctor Who podcast and, and all my other podcasts, as Ken Rosen talked about in the Backstreet's article, right, it's connections. And this podcast has helped connections. So, And you're right, that live, when you go to that live show and you go, oh my gosh, I'm not alone, there are hundreds, if not thousands, possibly millions of fans around the world that all are as passionate about this as I am. So great choice. I, I love that story. All right. Song that surprised you. I wasn't quite sure what kind of song to pick for this one because songs surprise you in different ways. But I, the way I interpreted it was kind of a a song that you'd heard loads of times, but then suddenly, for some reason, out of nowhere, it really strikes a chord with you. And from then on, it's one of your songs. Uh, and that's why I've chosen Long Walk Home. And um, the way it surprised me or, or snuck up on me to, to some extent, um, I think when Magic first came out, I, I liked it. Um, not as much as I like it now. I absolutely love the album now. But Sure. Um, I thought it was a very consistent, very strong set of songs. And, you know, there, there were some I liked better than others, but there were none that I really thought were really, really up there. Um, but then I, I went to a few shows on the Magic Tours, the, the winter and the summer one. And uh, in the summer tours, we went to uh, Cardiff um, in June of 2008. And they, it was a beautiful summer's day. It's a beautiful stadium. Uh, it was a fantastic show. I think probably in terms of the songs that were sung and just the quality of the, the performance, it's possibly the best Bruce show I've seen. But there was a particular set of songs they played. They played Devil's Arcade, Into the Rising, Into Last to Die, Into Long Walk Home. Wow. That's and a that solid... set of four songs, just back to back, no <laughs> that's word. A solid, that's, that's a solid four of a kind yeah. in poker terms, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was fantastic guitar solos, three different three different guitarists playing solos on these songs. And But 
it was the last one, the long walk home, that just absolutely blew me away. And from then on, it just became one of my favourites, not just on that album. Now I'd say it's certainly in my top three of the the millennium, the post-millennial era of yeah. the songs I've done. Uh, and of course, today with the events of the last few days in the, in the US, yes. it's a particularly uh, opposite time to, to talk about the song, I guess, as well. Uh, I, you know, I love that idea. Um, you know, I if I had answered the song, if I'd answered the question that way, Independence Day would be the one that I would use that thought is because I've I've shared many times on the podcast that I, I didn't dislike Independence Day. It was just another song, right? But yeah. when I saw it live on the Rising Tour and the idea that Bruce, as someone in his late 60s at that point, singing a song that he wrote when he was young, discussing, like, he is the age now that his father was, or probably older, Independence Day became a totally different thing for me. And so I think that's a great way to pick that. Absolutely. Um, all right. Guilty Pleasure. Okay. Guilty Pleasure. Are we, are we allowed to be guilty about that game with Bruce's music? I don't know. Well, I thought what would most people say is the album that they wouldn't expect you to pick a song from? And I thought that would probably be Human Touch. Okay. And that's what I've done. Um, I've gone for Real World. Nice. Okay. Which is a song that I love. It was always my favorite song off that album. Might not have much competition in that particular Yes, category. I get it. Um, you know, I, but I think when people talk about those two early 90s albums, they were the, the first two Bruce albums that I actually purchased on the release day. I was at the, the record store before they opened, banging on the door to get them. Um, <laughs> And um, I was going on a long coach journey. I bought them on cassette, and I just listened to to them alternately the whole coach journey that I was traveling on. Um, most people, I would agree with that um, Lucky Town is the better of the two, the better songs and much uh, more coherent. But I think there are two or three songs of Human Touch that if you threw them on there, it would make that even stronger. Uh, and Real World is one of them. It's... It's more like what I call a proper Bruce song, the kind of song that I would love to hear the E Street Band play. Um, and I think the, some of the same themes it deals with, the things that he goes back to when he went back into the studio to do Better Days, this line about build a roadside carnival out of hurt and self-pity, you know, and it's all about um, moving forward and, and trying to get um, get away from what you might have felt in the past and... Uh, there's also a great acoustic version of it um, from nice. the uh, Acoustic Institute shows um, that he did. So, yeah, uh, I'm not guilty about liking it. No, <laughs> you shouldn't be. That's uh, that's that's awesome. All right. <clears throat> One of the questions I often ask in the podcast is songs that you're chasing, songs that you wish you had seen live that you hadn't. So um, what what's the song that you wish you had seen live? Uh, Roulette is the song I've chosen here. Um, out of what I would say are really some of my favourite, favourite Bruce songs, Roulette is the, the one that I haven't seen live. Okay. Um, as soon as I started listening to Bruce from hearing the first live recording on the radio, um, 
this was a song that really stood out and I couldn't believe it wasn't on any of the albums. So I always wanted to see it, but I thought, well, you know, the chances are I won't. But then he started from time to time to actually play it live. Yes. And of course, that only made me want to see it more because I knew there was actually a chance that he, he could. Um, he's played it here in the UK. He opened a show with it, one of the ones that's available on the downloads, the official downloads. Um, I think we saw the either the show before it or the show after it. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> we, we didn't see the one. <laughs> Which makes it so, even more frustrating, right? Like you're yeah. this close. Yeah. So I, I would love to see it. Um, and it's a song I've been listening to a lot in the last couple of years. I think it's not about the kind of political situation we're in now, but I think with all the things we've we've had, whether that's with the political situation in your country, the political situation in my country, and recently with the pandemic, this feeling of frustration and powerlessness that you feel like there are people maneuvering and playing games with you and your family's health and well-being and livelihood that you just don't know what you can do about it. And so it's a, it's a song that I think is really relevant as well for the, for the current times. Uh, I, I great abs- absolutely great choice. I, I think you know really well said. Um, and yes, I do think it's very fitting with what's going on, you know, kind of in the world today, right? That we just we we feel like we're we're in a game we can't win sometimes. Yeah. All right, the last, and this one was once again. I think the answer could be all of them. Great song to see live. Well, my choice for this one, Jesse, is Jungle Land. All right, nice. <laughs> so uh, I will say straight out, after Born to Run, it's my second favorite Bruce song, per se. Um, and I think like Born to Run itself, it kind of shows off a little bit of the best of what rock music is and particularly what the the band can do. And I think when he, when they play it live, you really see the the virtuosity of the different instrumentalists. Yes, it's famous for the fantastic sax solo that um, Clarence or Jake play, but, you know, there's a fantastic guitar solo in it. There's the piano. It's It's got so many changes of mood um, in the drumming and the, the organ and everything. So um, for that, and I just think when you have the song come up, when the first notes start, you get this hush comes over the stadium and the crowd sings along. But then when you get to that first tonight in Jungle Land and then the band just explodes. And for me, that moment is one of my top moments in a live show. So that's all of those reasons. But particularly that last one is, is why I've chosen it. I think that is absolutely brilliant and a great choice. It is... Um... I love the idea, right, that it's showcasing everything, and that there also is a little specialness that um, for a while after Clarence's passing, this was not a song they played very often. No. Right? It's, it was almost like sacred ground. You can't, you know, um, similar, and as we mix our metaphors, right, you, you – you don't give a great player's junk, uh, number to a different player, right? Like it's, oh, you can't, like, the, the odds are there will never be a Dallas Cowboy that wears number 12, 
right? That's yeah. Roger Staubach's number. You're never going to have someone else yeah. worth 12, you know, and um, so it is almost like, oh, there's no way uh, that we can play it. And then when they did, right, um, I remember the excitement and the anticipation of hearing that. And so I, I think a absolutely amazing choice. Well done, sir. Yeah, and I love it. I, I, I agree. I think and I think the fact that Jake plays it in the sound, it's quite similar. Yeah. But his persona is so different to Clarence. Yeah. Um, and so that it just has a totally different vibe to, to it in, in the way it comes across now as well. So. And then, yeah. you know, the, the more we see, the more I am impressed. Not only is Jake an absolutely wonderful ambassador for the band and is so good to fans and at live shows, you know, when he's touring solo, but also, you know, talk about some big shoes to fill. Um, you know, um, we absolutely, Charlie has done a good job, you know, for taking on Danny, but it's not quite that iconic, right? That, that, you know, there is only one big man and to have, I think, it helps that he is related to Clarence. And yeah. I also think that he has this, this respect and he kind of the persona of, you know, always loving his uncle and sharing that. So yeah, I, absolutely wonderful choices. So great job, my friend. I, I, I think you, uh, you hit it out of the park, you know? Oh. So good job. Great job. All right. Before I got to let you go, um, any thoughts you want to share about Letter to You, the the album or the film or both? Uh, the film I haven't watched yet. Okay. Um, the album I like. I like it a lot. Um, I think it's uh, there's a little bit of a mixture for me. There are some songs I really like, some songs that I think are not so strong. Um, I think there's a lot of songs on there that will sound great live if we ever get to hear them. Fingers crossed that we do. And for me, I think that I love the three older songs, um, which I have, you know, I've heard the old demo versions, solo versions from the early 70s. So I kind of, you know, you get a little bit of familiarity, but I like the style that they're done in. I enjoyed it when there were the songs on uh, chapter and verse that were the same kind of era, the same sort of style of song. Um, But I think out of the new songs, you know, there's, I think Burning Train is an excellent song, and Last Man Standing I really love. So um, in, when I'm yeah. listening to this, even though – and you haven't seen the film, but they the film ends with Burning Train. They they start playing that, and that's the song that's played over the credits. Um, I picture that as opening the tour. I just can see the band walking out and them starting that, and I just can see <laughs> – the stadium or the arena or the venue going crazy. I, I just see that as a great show opener. Um, yeah, when I when I listened to the album the first time, is it the the third song? Is it the, is it the third? It's quite early in, yeah. in the playlist order. And I, you know, it kicked off, and the first song is quite similar to the Western Stars kind of material, yeah. and then comes Letter to You, which had been a single, so we we'd yeah. heard it a few times. But it was when Burning Train comes on and then I just felt my, my smile come 
And I thought, this is what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had not heard the older songs at all. So they were, they're all new to me. And um, I, I was surprised how much I loved If I Was a Priest. Yeah. Um, it is just, it's love. And then uh, Power of Prayer, for some reason, just really clicks with me. It's just good. So, well, that is awesome. I, and, I, and I think as many Bruce albums, right, as you mentioned, you liked Magic, but then as you started growing and listening to it, it raises up. I think this will be the same yeah. thing. I think, I, think so. Yeah, I think it's very nice. Oh, well, Ian, this was a blast. Thank you much, yeah, my friend. Great. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? They can reach me um, on Twitter. Uh, it's Ian Braisby. That's I-A-N-B-R-A-I-S-B-Y um, on Twitter. And uh, anything else I do will be linked or tagged from there. So uh, that's the best place. Very nice. Well, my friend, you please stay safe. Um, and you too, Jesse, and, you, and your family as well. Yeah, enjoy your garden. Enjoy some good music. And uh Continue, uh, continued success on your journey. I know it is a tough one. One day is a time is not a cliche. It is just the reality. So yeah. I'm proud of you. And uh, yeah. as always, if you need um, to talk or visit or you come with another idea, just reach out and we'll we'll schedule this again. Okay. Okay. Great, Jesse. Thank, Thank you very much as always. Take right. care. Yes, listeners, you take care. Remember to social distance. Wash your hands, wear an effing mask, be good to each other because heaven knows we need it, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at DFW. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. Set Lessing Bruce. Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 